Hola amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Okay, today I'm having a moment. I sometimes think, Lord, how is this possible? How is this possible? I am so truly honored to have this woman. Oh my God, Terry Weinberg. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, so amigas, Terry Weinberg is the producer of The Office, of Hentified, of The Tudors, of Ugly Betty, and so many, 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 many more. Oh my goodness. I am excited here to have her in my presence. She's a friend, and you'll discover a little story behind how that happened. But, oh my goodness, Terry Weinberg was a former NBC Entertainment Executive Vice President who oversaw all aspects of NBC Entertainment scripted development and current primetime programming. Launched her own production company called Yellow Brick Road, and she launched it in 2009 with a two-year first-look deal with NBC Universal. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Weinberg then partnered with Golden Globe Emmy Award-winning actor and producer America Ferreira in 2016 with a four-year first-look deal with NBC Universal and has since returned to independent producing. Weinberg was co-executive producer of the Peabody, Golden Globe, and Emmy Award-winning The Office, which has also received two Television Critics Association Awards, multiple WGA Awards, and a Screen Actors Guild Award. She also served as executive producer of Ugly Betty, winner of two Golden Globe Awards, an Emmy nomination, a Peabody Award, and a Screen Actors Guild Award. In addition, Weinberg was executive producer of the Golden Globe-nominated The Tudors. Weinberg 
was nominated for two Emmys in July 2007 as both The Office and Ugly Betty were nominated as Outstanding Comedy Series. Weinberg executive produced National Geographic's Emmy-nominated event movies called Killing Kennedy and Killing Jesus. Multiple film festival winner charged the Eduardo Garcia story and has most recently executive produced Netflix Peabody Award-nominated dramedy series called Hentified. Earlier, Weinberg served as executive vice president of scripted programming at Revelief from its inception in 2002, overseeing and serving in a variety of producing, development, casting, and executive roles. Also during her tenure, Revelief was responsible for producing The Biggest Loser, The Restaurant, Nashville Star, and 30 Days, amongst other unscripted fare. Prior to Reveille, Weinberg was a television talent ad agent at ICM. She began her agency career working in the feature talent and literary department. Weinberg resides in Los Angeles, and I'm so proud to have her here on Amiga Hand Your Shit podcast. This interview is amazing, and I love it, and I'm so grateful to have her here. And can't wait for you all to listen to this amazing episode. So without further ado, this is Terry Weinberg. Hello, hello, amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Okay, so I have a Hollywood legend. Can I say she is a creative genius? I'm, and I'm just so happy that I see her a couple of times out of the week because I met her at this beautiful class called Do It for the Dopamine with our gal Pixie. And I had no idea who this woman was, is. I was like, you know, she just is such a beautiful soul and such, it's kind of like a coach. You know, she really sees you for who you are. And then when I discovered who she is, I said to myself, holy shit, Jackie. What the <laughs> I totally said that to myself. I said, who, what, how is well, that I think, possible? <laughs> I think you started to tell me about your podcast. Yes. And then you mentioned America. I yeah. think. And then I said, did you know that I produced Ugly Betty? And then the rest is history. Yeah. But what I love about our friendship is that, and when we're in this, you know, the sacred sanctity of our workout, yeah. we're just there to love on each other as people, you know? And then when you find out that you have things in common and that you can help make change outside of what we're doing personally, I think that's super cool because I um, love what you're doing. Oh my God. Totally, totally. So Amigas, this is Terry Weinberg. And I already explained in the intro how badass she is. <laughs> she is a film producer that when I started finding, researching more, I'm like, holy, holy shit. Wow. She basically <laughs> discovered America. Like she really did. And I'm like, how does that even happen? Because even though I was born and raised here in Los Angeles, California, for me, the Hollywood scene is so foreign 
it's it's a it's a way in the distance. It's kind of like Pluto, <laughs> like you know about it, but <laughs> but how do you even get to there is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> and so I knew, I knew, I said, okay, amiga, my amigas are gonna love this episode. And they will get inspiration from this beautiful soul because I'm telling you, even in her workouts, I feel like, wow, I kind of think about it in a way where how you do one thing, you do everything. And I know, Terry, when you told me, just to do a little tidbit here, when you told me, you know what, why don't you consider using the eight pounders? Because I've been using five pounders all this time. And she's like, why don't you use the eight pounders? And I, and I thought about it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try them out. And it worked. And I was like, so happy because that was a win. And then I get to think, I'm like, oh my God, this woman probably is this way with her, with the cast, with the people that she leads. Like she sees the potential, the, the, potential, the potential, exactly the potential. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, maybe that's not what she saw with America. <laughs> My mind starts going through this haywire. So beautiful soul, Terry. Welcome to Amiga Handler Your Shit Podcast. It is so my pleasure, friend. I'm so happy that I could be here with you. Oh my God. And I'm so proud of everything that you're doing. And your amigas should be so psyched to be able to have a window into the things that get you excited and fired up and allow for you know, growth and support and all those things. I think it's, as you and I both live and die by our communities, it's really important what you're doing, Yeah, especially for your own. Oh, thank you, my love. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, especially coming from you. Okay, so let's get into it. I know that you grew up in Cleveland and then you went to Arizona State University. Did you study film there? No. No. I had... No experience, no real interest in film and television. I mean, I'm a Midwesterner. I was born and raised in Cleveland. I moved to Phoenix, Arizona when I was 14 years old and had a whole different kind of formative years there because I was introduced to a whole new class of people. I was raised in a very white, very Jewish neighborhood, this very small town, very close-knit. And then when I went to Arizona, I saw all of these beautiful brown faces. And I said, where have these people been all my life? (laughs) You know, and I almost felt like I was the one that was trying to ingratiate myself when I started school because the area that I lived in was primarily Latin. And so I was kind of the minority as as a young white girl. And so I thought, okay, I've got to figure out what my place is here and do I fit in and can I make friends and all of that. And so it became a real eye-opening experience for me as a young person. And then when I went to college, my parents were very kind of lower middle class people. So I had to work my way through college. And so I was working full time, going to school full time. And I went to school for interior design and architecture And it was less about me wanting to be an architect or an interior designer. It was more about for me to say, I can work full time and I can get a college degree. And just to prove to myself that I could do it and have the discipline to get that degree, which I did. And I used that 
degree to get a job in the world of architecture and then immediately got a transfer to LA because I knew that I did not want to live in Arizona as an adult. And so I packed up my little tiny car with what I had. I didn't have any friends out here. My first dog and my baby had just died a year or so before that. So me and my clothes and my little guy's urn that sits in front of me (laughs) are on my way driving, driving to LA. And I found a small little super cheap apartment and I worked at the Pacific Design Center. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's on San Vicente and Santa Monica, and it's a commercial fabric and, and really for the, it's business to business. And so while I was working there, I started to investigate how I could then somehow break into the world of entertainment because I knew that living in LA, that was probably the most accessible job that one could have because it's, the industry is all around you. You know what? That's interesting that you say that because as a Latina, like I never heard my friends or anyone in my community say that that is like the, the, see, and it's, it's, I love this, this conversation because you were saying, okay, I move here, go to Hollywood. I live, I've been born and raised here. And the last thing on my brain is going to Hollywood because we, in my vibration, what I see over there is like unapproachable, unattainable. Yeah. And yeah. also, if you if you widen that net, I mean, this was 22 years ago when I came out here, 23 years ago, and women in our industry were so far and few between that I felt that same kind of intimidation just as a woman, and then put a woman of color in that position, and it becomes even more challenging, which is absolutely crazy to me, but to look at what our industry has become over those, you know, 20 plus years because the people like me and others who have opened those doors and said, oh, wait, I belong in this room. I've earned the right to be in this room. I have the experience. I have the intelligence. I have the ability to do what you're doing and I'm going to bring my friends with me, you know? And so I think there that People, women who have consciously made an effort to not only bang the door down for themselves, but to say, oh, wait, wait, keep it open. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, leave, leave it ajar. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so we've seen a real shift in our industry where not only women and women of color are captains of industry. You know, they're running Fortune 500 companies, Fortune 100s, they're running studios and networks. And are in positions of power and in positions where they're the decision maker. And I was one of those people, you know, I ran a broadcast network and you realize that the responsibility that you have, not only as someone who is a boss to a cast of hundreds, but you're also the vision and the mind and the brain and the gut of millions of people who are tuning into your network and how do you use that the power that you have to say wait a minute you need to see a story like ugly betty you know you need to see a story you know like all of those game changers that we're seeing from the shows that shonda rhimes has created to the list is endless now of women who are at the front of 
and are the faces of, of series on television. Oh my God. I am so excited for this. So you mentioned Ugly Betty. I really want to get into that because I think it was then when I discovered who America was or is actually. And I'm like, what did you see in her for this role? Well, to America's credit, you know, she had done Real Women Have Curves. And that movie, she was 16 years old. It was her first job. And she was absolutely just utterly brilliant. And that, you know, from her words was an opportunity for her to let others see themselves in her mm-hmm. and to see a story that felt real and authentic and heartbreaking and inspirational and have a power within that character. And so I'd seen that film and then had also heard that she was doing a plan Broadway called Dog Sees God. Mm-hmm. And I happened to meet the writer of that play who said she was on Broadway doing it. And I hadn't seen or heard from her in many years. My creative partner on Ugly Betty was Sama Hayek. And so Sama, you know, also knew of America. And so we reached out to her and said, and we had to audition, you know, ABC, Ugly Betty was on ABC. They made us audition. I mean, we auditioned hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of girls for this role. But we knew all along that we knew America was Betty. We just, we knew. So I flew to New York with the creator of our show, Silvio Ortez, who sadly has has passed, but I miss him so much. He and I flew to New York to see her in the play. And she was amazing and so grown. So even though she was 20, you could still see how much she'd grown from being 16 and in Real Women to finding this different kind of voice and power. And so we had dinner after and I just fell in love with her. We fell in love with her and we talked about the series and we talked about all of the things that she wanted to do as a young actor. And there's a lot of in between that, but we fought for her to get this role and it was the right choice. And the rest is history. I mean, she was nominated in our first season we were on the air for two months and not only was our show, but America was nominated for a golden globe and we won best comedy series and she won best actress, lead actress in a comedy. I just got the chills. Yeah. That's incredible. That's actually, that's the photo of when we were backstage after we won the globe and I'd never experienced anything like that. And they literally, have you ever watched the Globes? Yes, yes. Golden Globes. Yes. So they so they rush you off this stage, and they just take you through this door, and you walk through like you think you're just going to go back to your seat. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you walk. We walk through this door, and we are literally facing two hundred reporters and thousands of cameras. And so, not only is your heart somewhere outside of your body because you have no idea what's happening to you, but you then walk into a room full of people who are, you can't even see because they're snapping so many photos of you. It's the most amazing experience of, of my life. And I was so proud of America too. But that's a very long way around being able to push through a character like that. This is 2005. Right. We'd never seen a Latina at the center of a show. Not only had we not seen her at the center, but one who was not conventionally beautiful, one who was 
considered to be unattractive, considered to be an outsider, considered to be an ugly duckling, whatever, however you want to put a label on that. And she, this character and the spirit that America brought to this character defied all of those stereotypes. Yeah. And showed an audience that that could be them. Yes. Yes. Because she played a role that many Latinas out there are very coy and just like, like ugly Betty, like, you know, either overweight, not the best looking person and all that stuff. Right. All these inhibitions that we have, that we allow these limitations to run amok in our brain. Right. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. to see on the screen that si se puede, like, yeah, it gives us a lot of hope and inspiration. Not mm-hmm. only for my age group, we're um, X Gen, but for the younger, the millennials, for the Z, the, what are they, the Z Gen? The Y and the Z. Yeah, yeah, the Z. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, how beautiful, how amazing. Now, I know you've done so much work along the way, but I another thing that I loved about what you've created and done is Hentified. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was watching Hentified. I was like, God, this is so done so well. And not knowing who that it was you, the person that I was working out with created Hintified. And I love the storyline. And coming from the immigration side, I'm a you know immigration attorney. I thought, what a wonderful way to really introduce the world to what goes on in these families' lives. Because sometimes they don't know that this person who's been with you for the past 40, 50 years is undocumented. Yeah, it humanizes the experience. And Marvin Lemus and Linda Yvette Chavez, you know, who created the series, get the credit for unrelentingly planting their feet into the ground saying, we're telling this story and this part of the story is so critical to the experience of this family and also so many families, not only in Boyle Heights and in the the world that we're opening up, but around the States. And so we all worked very, very hard in lockstep to say this particular story is very, very important, especially in season two for that to be the real main story. And how does a family deal with that? How do you say goodbye to someone who you've been, who raised you your entire life and thinking, but isn't the journey to come to America? Isn't the dream to be in America and not to be sent somewhere where we are not familiar with, especially when you're a dreamer, especially when you're born and raised here. And there's also someone who is going to remain nameless, but someone that you know that we work out with mm-hmm. is in the DACA program. Yeah. yeah. And they came to me and told me their experience and felt they trusted me enough to tell me their story yeah. and to say, you see me and I don't tell my story very much, but now I feel like, oh, I belong here. This isn't my fault. Yeah. You know, this is my country too. And, um, And that's why we do it. If you can just take, change one life and have somebody walk away and say, oh my God, my, this show's for me. This country is for me. 
that's what lights me up every morning when I think about what kind of stories I need to make sure get out there and see the light of day. Oh my goodness. So what other stories are you working on? So there's two things that I can mention because one just got picked up to pilot and um, I've been working on it for about two and a half years and we're going to be making a pilot for Amazon for their new network freebie. And it's inspired by two young Latinas who did not know each other before coming into this project. I brought them together with my producing partner because they were both Cuban American and one had more experience in writing and one had this idea to bring this story to life. And so while they both have different experiences being born and raised in Hialeah, Miami, they took both of their experiences together. And now we're telling it's a half hour comedy about a family in Hialeah who multi-generational, who is now kind of telling the Cuban story. And so for me, it reminds people too that being brown skin doesn't, it's, you're not a monolith. There's Dominican, there's Cuban, there's Mexican American, there's Spanish, there's all of these. So these experiences are, they're specific you know, and beautiful in their own ways and different. And so I got really excited to tell that story. And so now we're going to be shooting that pilot later in the summer. And so people will get to see the experience of what it means for this family to navigate the world of of Hialeah through a 20-somethings eyes when she moves home and has to kind of reassimilate to Hialeah when all she wanted to do was kind of live the white experience. <laughs> so it's really, it's really super fun. It's really interesting. And, so, and, and I, and I, it's so funny. I can't, I can't take it. These writers are so wonderful. And then another one hour that I'm developing at Apple television is also based on a, on the real life of Jalissa Arce, who I'm sure you may know. Jalissa wrote a book, My Underground American Dream. And with the sure strength and will of a young Latina, she went to college. She got an internship at Goldman Sachs. She then got a full-time job there. She worked her way up the ladder to become a senior vice president in a very powerful, you know, Fortune 500 company, all while being undocumented. I love that. I love that. And so, yeah, her having to navigate just living out loud, but in the shadows, managing what her private life is, her relationship with her family, and also putting herself really into harm's way every day because with one kind of false move, yeah, you could send her and her family back to Mexico. So it's an incredibly moving, beautiful, powerful, dramatic story that is also filled with hope and inspiration and the sure will of this 20-something who is not only trying to navigate what it means to be a young 20-something, but also be an undocumented Latina in a world that is a man's world as well as one that is one out of a cast of thousands is you have the opportunity to get those jobs. 
Um, no kidding. Oh my God. What a way to break the glass ceiling because seriously, being yeah. undocumented in itself is already like a negative mark on your resume, right? Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're constantly living in fear. Because I know as someone who has represented uh, undocumented immigrants, they're like, well, can I really go there? I don't have my papers. And I, yes, you can. But as someone who does have her papers, I mean, it's easy for us to say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And for Julissa to come out to Goldman Sachs, one of the leading financial institutions of our country, mm-hmm. the having world. a chance yeah. to do that, to be yeah. that. And how beautiful that you have that opportunity to showcase this story, highlight, yeah. highlight, yeah, right. And yes. how do you, it's a privilege. So Terry, so you know, how do these stories come to you? Do you seek them out, or they come to you? In so many different ways, I seek them out. I read articles. I read books. I look for distinguished stories like this. They come to me a lot of times through agents and managers and people who know that this is part of my life's work, you know, and also when you have success, you know, in these, in these kinds of worlds, you know, people kind of, they know that you will fight to the death to get these kinds of stories out there. So they come from all different ways and and places, whether they come to me or, or I seek them out. Yeah. But America, America was the one who introduced me to Jalissa and asked me to come in and, and produce it with her. And so she read an article about Jalissa that was in Bloomberg and she kind of seeked her out and chased her to try to get her to talk to her and tell her story. And so we've actually been developing it for almost seven years. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Seven years. Seven years? So. Mm-hmm. Is that how long it takes? <laughs> I'm, I'm coming no. from it from the non-Hollywood side, so I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> Typically, it doesn't, but it's made its way through four networks. We've sold it four different times. Three networks developed it and passed on it, and then I sold it again to Apple. And so it's gone through different machinations, four different, five different writers, four different networks, three different studios. But I, we felt. Like it was so important and more relevant now than ever to make sure that that story got gets told. I just never gave up on it. Yeah. I heard um, you had a podcast earlier this year. And one of the things that you shared was that you are relentless. You will mm-hmm. read the scripts 10, 15, whatever, Use your your time. If you believe in it, you're going to get it done. Is this mm-hmm. how you've always been in life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I think the, the, that kind of discipline, I guess you would call it, you know, started when I was a young girl because I started working when I was in high school, yeah. you know, as a sophomore in high school because I wanted to be able to be independent. Don't ask me where that came from. Don't ask because I don't know. I mean, my parents really did not instill, go out in the world and be independent, make your mark in the world, go to school, do all those things. I mean, my parents got a GED. They didn't, they didn't even, you know, graduate from, from high school. They got married. They met when they were 13, got married when they were 18. And so I think their hope for me was 
find a man, get married, have children, do that thing. And that just was not within my DNA. So I think it was just early on feeling a certain kind of independence and desire to want to make a life for myself. And I don't think I've gone down any road that was easy. So I think it's just part of, oh, great. I, now I'm going to pick this road. It's part of you your know. DNA. The harder it is, the more I'm going to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think it's easy for anybody, you know, male or female, but I think we have more, it's been harder for us historically, you know, as women. And so I think I just always had that kind of fire in my belly because I knew it was necessary because I felt like early on in my career, people like me were overlooked in rooms full of men. And they, I love you men and all the men in my industry, but it was very much a boys club and they loved hearing each other talk until you said, hang on a second. I have a thought, I have an idea and you have to have the, the confidence and the strength to say, I have something to say, I have something to add. And I think that that's hard for a lot of people because we don't think that we are smart enough. We don't think that we've earned that right. And all of that is just complete and total bullshit. Bullshit. Yes. Yeah. You know, because you are as strong as you allow yourself to be. And you are as strong as those who you surround yourself by. Yeah. And I'm very, you know, I like to have my, my relationships are with people who, who are trying to do good things in the world, who have a strong point of view, who are not afraid to put themselves out there, who challenge themselves and each other, you know, who are smarter than me, who can teach me something. I don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. I don't have to be the one that always has the right answer. I want to hear what everybody has to say because life's a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a saying in Spanish that says, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Tell me who you hang out with and I'll tell you who you are. Who you are. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is because if it's true, who you surround yourself with is who you are. That's right. That's exactly right. I love what you're saying. You have to be around people who will say, you know what, Terry? That's not right. Yeah. You know, or can I help you with that? Or I've done that. Can I show you how I did it? That excites me. And I hope that people have the confidence and the openness to just want to learn. And I always said that I will stop being a producer. I will stop being in this industry if I don't learn something new every day. And I've been doing it for 22 years, you know. And I learn something new every day. Wow. I think that should be a goal of every individual on this planet. Learn something new every day. Keep growing, right? Have to. Yeah. Have to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can honestly say, I mean, coming from the legal field and kind of, I pivoted completely and everybody calling me crazy. Like, what the heck are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, my heart is calling something else. And just listening Mm -hmm. to that. And just living intentionally. Yeah. Living intentionally. Yeah. Somebody said something really interesting to me 
the other day and I wrote a note about it because I thought it was just so important to hear. So we're here in this life for essentially three phases, being a master at your craft, a mentor, and then make a difference. Master, you know, what you have chosen in your field or whatever that is, put the hours in, put the time in, put the days in, put the years in, because you're only going to better what you're doing by putting the time and the work into it. Being a mentor is then taking what you've learned, all of that experience, everything that you've developed for your own and that wisdom, and now passing that on to the next generation or to colleagues, contemporaries, and all of that. And then the third kind of piece of your life is make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so what can you do? Use the real opportunities and the relationships that you have that you can actually make a difference in one person or many people's lives. And so if you can do all of that, which I feel like I've done a pretty good job of at this stage of my life, I'm still working on, but I have to do, you know, professional and personal things that are important for my own heart, for my family, for my friends, for a community. And then using the wisdom now that I have at this stage of my life to say, I'm going to tell you this and you're going to tell me to go fuck myself, (laughs) but you're going to learn or you're going to hopefully think back at one point and say, you know what that thing that Terry said to me, you know, a couple of years ago, I should have thought about that because we think we know it all when we're young. You know, we think we have all the answers. We think we have had all the experience. We think that it's our way or no way. We defy what our parents tell us. We define what the elders tell us, but they're telling us for a reason because they've lived it. And at least if you take it in and you think about it and you, and if it makes sense for you in your life, at least contemplate it and then you're going to do what you're going to do, but be open to hearing, you know, if I knew then what I know now, I may have done that. So think about doing that so that you can open a door for yourself earlier in your life, you know, things like that. So I think it's important to master what you do, to be a mentor, and then do whatever you can to try to make a difference. And you're making a difference in what you're creating. I mean, literally you are a creative genius and I'm so excited for the new projects that that are coming and to so many more things. I know that we're getting to I would end. say, just to correct you, I have the good fortune uh-huh. of being around creative geniuses. Mm. And it's their voices, it's their stories, mm. it's their lives and communities and personal experiences. Because I do a lot of development with people who have, are bringing their own personal experiences. And then I just have... I have the experience as a producer to help get them to do their best work, to tell the best story. And so they get the credit for being the creative geniuses. I've just put myself in the position to reap the benefits of those incredible voices. Oh, well, we're definitely reaping the benefits of this interview with you, Terry. I always ask my guests if they could provide one or two tips on how an Amiga can handle her shit. Because, girl, you have been handling your shit. <laughs> I think it's just a lot of what I've said over the course of this conversation is that you are important. You have a value 
you belong in this life. We are all here because we're meant to be here at this place at this time. And so you have something to give, not only to yourself, you owe it to yourself to give yourself the best experience of your life, but you also have a responsibility as someone in your community to help open doors for others so that they can come banging on that door too and find their way in. So I think it's spend less time about thinking what you can't do, think about what you can do, what you can give, what you are capable of, and not live in the fear of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I don't belong here, this is not my journey. Well, fuck yes, it is. Absolutely it is. And, you know, Pixie, our workout guru always says to us, the safest place that you have is here. And you have to go here first and say, I feel good. I feel safe. I feel strong. Mm -hmm. And now I can open up and use my voice because what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? You have all to gain. If somebody doesn't agree with you, then that's okay. Then you create a conversation. If you aren't aligned with someone and it doesn't feel good to your own soul and vibration, then don't have them in your life. You know, but creating conversations about things about our personal experiences are what is what pushes the needle forward. Yeah. And so when people tell me they can't or they're not strong enough mm-hmm. or that, you know, I don't, I don't think that's quite right for me. I want to shake them and say, give me your hand. Let's go. Let's go. Oh you my know. God. I, yeah. And that's how I felt when you suggested. Which was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. When you suggested, she's like, try those eight pounders. See how it goes. And I had the best workout ever because I tried it. And I mean, as you all know that I have MS and all this bullshit stuff, but it doesn't define me. And so what a beautiful opportunity to be in Terry's space where she sees something. And she's like, no, you can do the eight pounders. So Amiga. And and I'm in other space that say, you can go up in weights. You can try this. I know that you're dealing with an injury, but you're okay. You're safe. You can do it. And so I think when we make each other feel strong and safe, what else matters? (sighs) Because we care about each other. And I've seen you grow as an athlete Mm -hmm. in those rooms when you used to come in and think, you know, I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. And now you're doing it all. Yeah. And you have to be an athlete to be in those rooms. <laughs> I really believe that. It's hard. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, Pixie kicks our butt all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, you show yourself if you try something new, if you just try, you do your best version of you. And then that also proves to you, oh, wait, I feel strong physically. Oh, wait, my shoulders, they're kind of back more. You know, I feel like when I walk into a room, people know I mean business. Oh, that's what your amigas need to know. There's none of this. None of, yeah. None of this. None of that. Ouch and hovering and no. Because this means I am not 
confident. I'm not ready to be here. This is, hello, I'm in the room and I have something to say. That's right. So shove those shoulder blades together. Those are the wings. Yes, yes. The wings. I have a friend who says that her mom says, hija, chichis para arriba. <laughs> That's right. Oops. That's right. That's right. She's para arriba. They notice when you walk into your room, your posture speaks before you say a word. And when you feel intimidated going in somewhere, you don't have to say anything. Just put those shoulders back, open those wings, those confident muscles. Yeah. And chichis para arriba. And chichis para arriba. (laughs) I love that. Well, I love you, friend. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being here. It is such an honor. And I just can't wait for Amigas to hear this episode. You, oh my God, I have, I'm truly blessed completely and honored. And oh I can't wait, can't wait to see you the same. at Pixie's class. Love you. Me too, honey. Love you too. Have an amazing day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.